Hi guys, welcome to the 14th podcast of Let's Revise MBBS Cardiology and today we'll be continuing with the arrhythmia part and we'll talk about AVRT. So AVRT is atrioventricular reentry tachycardia. So we have, we had seen that there are two pathways. One is the normal conduction pathway from the SA node, AV node, bundle of phase, the Purkinje fibers and the other one is aberrant pathway which is the bundle of Kent. So in AVRT type, we have uh, in AVRT we have two types. One is orthodromic and the other one is antidromic. Okay. So in orthodromic type, the impulse from the atria goes to the ventricle through the normal pathway and goes back to the atria through the aberrant pathway. Okay. And in antidromic type, the impulse goes from the atria to, to the ventricle through the aberrant pathway and goes back to the atria to the normal pathway. Okay. So anti is opposite, opposite to that of normal. What is normal? Impulse going from the normal pathway is normal, which happens in orthodromic. That's why in orthodromic, the QRS complex will be narrow. Whereas in antidromic type of AVRT, the QRS complex will be wide. Okay. The more common among those two are the, is the orthodromic variety. Okay. And uh, in case of AVNRT, we had seen that atria and ventricle were contracting almost at the same time. That's why the P wave was getting buried in the QRS complex. But this does not happen in AVRT because the re-entry circuit is very large. In AVNRT, it was very local, localized re-entry circuit. But here the re-entry circuit is large. That's why uh, P wave is always, P wave always falls out of the QRS complex. Okay, so let's see the ECG of orthodromic WPW or orthodromic AVRT. So the QRS complex will be narrow or wide. It will be narrow because let's let's discuss only about orthodromic AVRT because antidromic is rare and that is not included in narrow QRS complex. That is in wide QRS complex. So let's restrict our discussion to orthodromic AVRT. So QRS complex will be narrow. The RR interval will, will be regular, right? So, and the P wave morphology will not be normal because now it is going through the bundle of Kent. So, the morphology will not be normal and P wave will fall outside the QRS complex. So, if the P wave is falling outside the QRS complex, we can have AVRT, but AVNRT is also possible. So, how do you differentiate? We see the time interval between the P wave and the QRS complex. We see the RP interval. Okay, so if the RP interval is less than 80 millisecond, then it is mostly AVNRT. And if it is more than AV, uh, if it is more than 80 milliseconds, then it is AVRT. Okay, because we have seen that in AVNRT, it will be either embedded in the QRS complex or it will be just outside the QRS complex, but the time difference will be very less. But in AVNRT, in, but in AVRT, the time difference will be more than 80 milliseconds. Okay, and delta waves will not be seen in uh, AVRT. It, it is seen in WPW syndrome. Right? Now, the management of orthodromic AVRT is exactly similar. The acute, the immediate management of AVRT is similar to that of AVNRT. So that's why even if we cannot differentiate AVRT from AVNRT or we are confused in the emergency, it's not a problem because the management for both of them is the same. But for managing antidromic type of AVNRT, we mainly uh, focus on securing the rhythm. 
so we give antiarrhythmic drugs like uh, procainamide or ibutilide and if it is a recurrent type of uh, antidromic avnrt then we prefer flecainide but the definitive treatment is radio frequency ablation of the aberrant pathway okay so that was about avnrt and avrt now let's move on to the atrial tachycardias so now let's again revise the protocol first the, we see the qrs complex it is not narrow then we see the rr interval if it is then it is the rr interval is regular then if we see p wave morphology if the p wave morphology is normal then it is sinus tachycardia if there is no p wave or the uh, of the yeah if there is no p wave then it can be avrt or avnrt or junctional tachycardia and if the morphology of p wave is abnormal then it is atrial tachycardia so atrial in atrial tachycardia the impulses are originating from the fossae the fossae in the myo in the uh, muscles of the atrium okay so atrial tachycardia can be of two types focal atrial tachycardia or multifocal atrial tachycardia in focal atrial tachycardia there is only one focus through which the uh, impulses are coming and in multifocal atrial tachycardia there are various foci through which the impulses are coming okay so ecg of atrial tachycardia will have a rate of around 130 beats 130 140 beats per minute it will be a narrow qrs complex and uh, if it is focal atrial tachycardia the rr interval will be regular okay p waves will be present but they will be of abnormal morphology and they will come before qrs complex obviously before qrs complex okay now uh this is about the uh, one one ecg you can see the image of the ecg in the uh, on the internet and you can compare this okay but if the uh, if the qrs complex is narrow but the rr interval is irregular then first thing which we think about is atrial fibrillation but the thing is in atrial fibrillation we don't see p waves okay so if there is if the rr interval is irregular but we are seeing p waves then it is the most the most probable diagnosis is multifocal atrial tachycardia okay so so narrow complex irregular rr interval two possibilities atrial fibrillation and multifocal atrial tachycardia p wave not seen uh, the most probable diagnosis is atrial fibrillation p wave seen then the diagnosis is multifocal atrial tachycardia the morphology of p waves in multifocal atrial tachycardia will be of different morphologies the morphology will be different because every time the impulse is coming from the different foci okay so at least you will see 3 to 4 different morphologies of p wave okay so uh, focal atrial tachycardia the mechanism for focal atrial tachycardia is enhanced automaticity automaticity so as we discussed the uh, av nodal blocking drugs or vagal maneuvers will not be helpful okay and uh, if there is focal atrial tachycardia there is most of the time there is some structural abnormality in the heart it can be due to mi previous mi or obstructive lung disease or decoxin toxicity okay the features of focal atrial tachycardia will be will get discrete p waves and uh, the and the other features like uh, regular rr interval etc we have discussed already so the treatment for uh, focal atrial tachycardia is catheter ablation of the ectopic foci and uh, 
that is the treatment of choice but other drugs which we can give are again antiarrhythmic drugs like ibutilide procainamide or flecainide and remember uh, if there is any supraventricular tachycardia with heart failure the drug which is preferred is amiodarone okay so any time if in the question you see heart failure or supraventricular tachycardia you can mark the answer as amiodarone now let's talk about atrial fibrillation so in atrial fibrillation there will be irregularly irregular rhythm and the rate will be around 100 to 160 so there are three types of atrial fibrillation paroxysmal atrial fibrillation persistent atrial fibrillation and permanent atrial fibrillation paroxysmal atrial fibrillation is that atrial fibrillation which spontaneously resolves within 7 days most com like most of the time it resolves within 48 hours okay persistent atrial fibrillation is that which lasts for more than 7 days okay or requires cardioversion for termination and permanent atrial fibrillation is which cannot be terminated or which lasts for more than 1 year now what are the causes for atrial fibrillation so most common valvular heart disease causing atrial fibrillation is mitral regurgitation then some acute conditions like pneumonia or al alcohol intake or thyrotoxicosis can also cause atrial fibrillation and some congenital heart defects uh, that uh, for example asd okay atrial septal defect can cause atrial fibrillation so now uh, you will have a question like how do how to calculate the heart rate in atrial fibrillation since, since it is irregular so we have uh, what we do is we take 30 large boxes which is equal to 6 seconds okay and we measure number of r uh, r waves in this okay so we measure the number of uh, r waves in those the span of 10 seconds uh, sorry in the span of 6 uh, seconds okay uh, in those 30 large boxes and then we multiply it by 10 so if there are 10 waves in 30 large boxes then the heart rate will be th- 10 into 10 which is 100 So there is one phenomenon which is Ashman phenomena, which is associated with atrial fibrillation. Okay, so uh, I think you uh, read about this Ashman phenomenon, but you just need to know that Ashman phenomenon is associated with atrial fibrillation. Okay, it will be difficult for me to explain this in podcast. Now, atrial fibrillation increases the chances of stroke. Okay, most commonly it increases chances of embolic stroke. So for that, we use a score which is Chad's. vas score okay chads to vas score okay so what all is included in this score so for c we have congestive heart failure from h we have hypertension a is age more than 75 years this has two points d is for diabetes s is for previous history of previous history of stroke or tia for this also we have two points and vas is uh, vascular any vascular anomalies vascular abnormalities uh, a is for age and s is for sex so female sex okay and uh, age more than 75 years has two points age between 65 and 75 has one point okay so we calculate uh, for all those patients who have atrial fibrillation we uh, calculate the score so if the score is 0 then uh, the patient does not need any antithrombotic if the score is 1 then we need to start the patient on aspirin and if the score is more than 1 that is if they if it is 2 or more then we need to start the patient on oral anticoagulation because there are increased chances of uh, stroke 
So oral anticoagulation we have options like warfarin, we can give dabigatran or we can also give rivaroxaban. So dabigatran is preferred, right? Uh, so management of atrial fibrillation, we can uh, do two things, we can control the rate and we can control the rhythm. So we have two uh, options, rate, rate control and rhythm control. Both of them are equally uh, effective, it's not that rate control is better or rhythm control is better, but rhythm control uh, like uh, general general basic dictum is that the rhythm control is preferred in young patients or uh, in patients who who cannot take anticoagulants or if atrial fibrillation is due to some reversible cause we can reverse the atrial fibrillation then we go for rhythm control if it is due to structural abnormality and if it cannot be reversed then we prefer rate control okay so what is rate control? Rate control is basically the atria is contacting at a very higher rate that is uh, 350-400 or more than that. We don't want this impulse to go to the ventricles. So we just block the AV node, we try to block the AV node so that the ventricles are contacting at a lesser rate around 100-120. Okay and rhythm control is we control the rhythm. So for rhythm control if the patient is hemodynamically unstable we have seen always go for DC cardioversion with 200 joules in atrial uh, fibrillation. But if the patient is hemodynamically stable, then we can go for pharmacological cardioversion by giving uh, antiarrhythmics like procainamide, which is class 1A drug or ibutalide which is class 3 drug. So ibutalide is preferred and we have seen that amiodarone is preferred in patients with uh, ventricular failure. Okay, The definitive treatment for this is catheter ablation. And uh, one surgical procedure which can be performed is maze procedure, MAZD, maze procedure. Right, and the site for this uh, atrial fibrillation is most common site is around the opening of the pulmonary vein into the left atrium. Okay, if the rhythm control is not possible, then we go for rate control. Uh, in the if the heart is structurally uh, defective or diseased. And for rate control, we can use calcium tunnel blockers or beta blockers, okay? And we can even use amiodarone. So, see, amiodarone is a drug which can be used in any supraventricular tachycardia if you don't understand what to do. Okay, that's the basic principle. So, amiodarone even controls the rate, it even controls the rhythm. Okay? Now, let's talk about atrial flutter. So, in atrial flutter, the rate is lesser than that in fibrillation and uh, the origin is in the right atrium. So, it starts from the uh, right side, uh, comes down to the right free wall and then goes back to the interatrial septum. Okay. Whereas in atrial fibrillation was starting from the, op uh, was most commonly located, the ectopic foci were located around the opening of the pulmonary veins. So, in atrial flutter, we will see sawtooth undulating waves in the baseline. But the RR inter and the RR intervals will be regular. Okay, if there is no block, the RR intervals will be regular. Okay, now uh, the rate in this atrial flutter is around 250 to 350, but this is the atrial rate. In atrial fibrillation, it was 400, but that was atrial rate. The ventricular rate is lesser. It is 110 to 140 in both, but the atrial rate is different. Okay, so what do we do? if uh, the patient of atrial flutter comes to us. So, uh, the patient with atrial flutter, they also have increased risk of stroke. So, we need to give them anticoagulants. 
and uh, if we are confused whether it is atrial flutter or not what we can do is we can temporarily give some av nodal blocking drugs like calcium channel blockers or beta blockers so after we do this the flutter waves will be more prominent okay and then we can make a definitive diagnosis of atrial flutter to manage this we give dc cardioversion but uh, here the dose is very less which is 25 to 50 joules in atrial fibrillation it was 200 joules okay uh, right so here also there is no role of any vagal maneuvers because it is problem in initiation not in conduction so how do you differentiate between atrial flutter and atrial tachycardia this differentiation might be difficult but first thing we have talked that we'll uh, we can block the av nodal conduction by giving beta blockers or calcium channel blockers and by that the flutter waves will be more prominent then the p waves in atrial flutter will be inverted in 2 3 and avf 2 3 avf are inverted leads okay so p wave will be negative in atrial flutter and atrial rate will be very high it will be around 300 or 350 in atrial flutter but in atrial tachycardia the rate is around 150 or it is less than 200 okay so that was about atrial flutter so we have covered almost everything about the supraventricular tachycardia or narrow com narrow qrs complex tachycardia let me summarize the entire uh, thing so when you see narrow qrs complex you look for rr interval rr interval can be regular or it can be irregular if it is irregular mostly we have only two possibilities atrial fibrillation or multifocal atrial tachycardia atrial fibrillation will not have p waves and in multifocal atrial tachycardia p waves will be present but it will have different morphologies so these were these are the only two dds uh, at r level for irregular rr interval if the rr interval is regular then we see at p wave okay if the morphology of p wave is normal then it is sinus tachycardia if the morphology is abnormal then it is atrial tachycardia if we do not see p wave then it can be avnrt or junctional tachycardia if the p wave is lying outside the qrs complex or after the qrs complex it can be avnrt or avrt so at that time we see the rp interval if the rp interval is less it is less than 80 milliseconds then it is avnrt if the rp interval is more than 80 milliseconds then that is avrt and if we see the undulating undulating baseline on the ecg or flutter waves then it is atrial flutter okay so last point if you don't understand anything and if we see if you see narrow narrow complex on ecg and you see that the rr intervals is rr interval are regular then if you don't understand anything mark the answer as avnrt because avnrt is most common okay and if you see narrow qrs complex and the rr interval is irregular mark the answer as atrial fibrillation because that is more common than multifocal atrial tachycardia right so that's it we have completed supraventricular tachycardias in the next podcast we will cover ventricular tachycardias ventricular fibrillation and the uh, we'll talk something about antidromic type of avrt right so till then keep studying and enjoy bye bye